Lynette Sims was on her own for the first time in... How long had it been? She had stopped keeping track and now couldn't remember. She guessed her ex, Tony, would know. He had always cared more about milestones and anniversaries than her. Tony. It's funny, she never leaned on him much while they were together, but now that he wasn't there to lean on, Lynette felt like she was standing next to a cliff. When he broke up with her, Tony had offered to let her keep their apartment. He even offered to contribute his share of the rent for two more months while she found a roommate or subletter, but Lynette refused it all out of spite. She wanted to show Tony she could land on her feet without his help. That was when she was still mad at him. It only took one night in her car with only a bottle of Old Forester for company, staring into the rearview mirror at her own bloodshot eyes, to decide Tony was lucky to be rid of her. She wished she could be rid of herself. The whiskey bottle represented everything that had gone wrong, and for that, she hated it. But her hatred did not stop the bottle from comforting her that first lonely night. She got so drunk that when she woke up in the back seat the next day, she realized she had forgotten to lock the doors. She was lucky to still be alive and unharmed. It felt like a second chance, an opportunity to turn herself around. She decided to go apartment hunting. Having her own place would mean having bills, which would mean she would need to hold a job, which would mean she would have to sober up. Maybe not all the AA way, but enough that she could look in the mirror without tasting bile anymore. Lynette, or Laney as she preferred, found a cheap apartment in a historic brick building a block from Main Street, which makes it sound cooler than it actually was. It had cracked brick walls and a chipped concrete floor. Only the bedroom was carpeted. It smelled musty, like unwashed rags, and felt abnormally humid. Her kitchen was essentially a countertop and stove in the back of the living room, and her bathroom was more of a shower closet with a toilet crammed in. Laney had accepted the apartment because it was all she could afford, but she also knew she had to do everything in her power to get out again. Despite her problems, Laney always had an impulse to make friends, which perhaps might have been a disguised fear of loneliness. After two days of solitude in her new apartment, she wanted to learn who else lived in the building. She had heard neighbors coming and going from the three other apartments on her floor, so she knew they were occupied. She decided on a Saturday morning to go meet them. The hallway outside her door was poorly lit and desperately needed new paint. The light fixture, which flickered occasionally, was filled with a solid layer of dead bugs. Cobwebs were in every corner of the ceiling, which had enough cracks to look like a web itself. The first door she knocked on directly across the hall had a radio or television playing behind it. There were other noises too, such as a blender. Laney knocked and heard a metal utensil clatter. Feet shuffled directly behind the door, and a shadow blocked the sunlight coming from under it. Can I help you? A nervous woman's voice asked through the door. Um, hi, I'm Laney. I just moved in across the hall, the woman interrupted her. Uh-huh, I've seen you. Do you need something? Oh, um, no. I just wanted to maybe meet some neighbors, and you're right across the hall, so I thought, well, I'm in the middle of making noodles for... 
The woman trailed off, apparently deciding Laney's feelings weren't worth a full explanation. Laney leaned closer to the door and said, Okay, well, maybe I'll come back another time. What's your name? The woman stayed quiet, and Laney gave up. She had even less luck at the other two doors, one of which also had plenty of sound coming from behind it. Even though her neighbors could not have possibly known anything about her, Laney feared they already hated her for some reason. She felt shunned, rejected, exiled when she returned to her own apartment. The air inside was still noticeably denser than the air in the hallway. Laney's hope that the humidity would clear up on its own started to fade. That afternoon, while Laney was lying in bed convincing herself to eat something and not to go to the corner store for a bottle of Tito's, a fluttering whisper came from her living room. Not a voice, but something sliding across the floor. Concerned and curious, she tiptoed the short distance to her doorway. Peering out, she saw someone had pushed a note under her front door. Before picking it up, she hurried to the door and opened it to catch a glimpse of whoever had left the note. She hoped it was one of the neighbors who had ignored her that morning come to apologize. No one was in the hallway, though. Laney picked up the note and turned it over. She read it twice before accepting that she had done so correctly. There were just four simple but chilling words. You are not safe. Laney peered through the peephole, too afraid to open the door again. Her fingers slid along the edge of the door until they found the deadbolt. She slipped the lock in place. With the door secure, she fell away, sighing deeply, then read the note again. You are not safe. Was it a threat or a warning? And had it been meant for someone who used to live here or for her? She ran to the window, the one looking over the building's entrance. She waited there for over ten minutes, watching the sidewalk, but no one came or went, and Laney got sick of watching leaves blow in the street gutter. With nothing left to do but wonder, the scary thoughts came, the ones about all the things the note could mean. Laney began to reason with herself. It had been three days since she'd had a drink, three stressful days dealing with a bad breakup, Hadn't she proven she could do it? And wasn't this just the type of situation when alcohol could be useful to calm the nerves like the way doctors used to use it? It was medicine. Medicine. Laney finally decided to go to bed at midnight, already feeling the hangover creeping in. She chugged two glasses of water to hold it at bay, then climbed into bed. She spent a few minutes trying to get comfortable with and without her sheets, but realized neither the sheets nor the bed were the issue. It was the air, the humidity. It was so dense it stuck to her skin, making her feel sweaty. She got up and went to the unpacked boxes in the living room. She thought she had a small fan in one. While digging, Laney found a plastic rectangular device that made her laugh aloud. She had shockingly forgotten she owned a dehumidifier. Now that she was holding it, she vaguely remembered it sitting under Tony's desk in their bedroom. She didn't remember packing it, but her memory of the whole day she moved out was blurry. The dehumidifier seemed so small, 
Lainey had little confidence in its ability to clear up the bedroom, but any slight improvement was welcome. She plugged it in by the wall across from the bed and turned it on. A circular red light came on, and a motor whirred warmly inside the plastic casing. Lainey watched the back of the device until a single drip fell into the reservoir. Then, satisfied, she climbed into bed. She took out her pipe from behind her pillow and smoked a little weed to counter the oncoming headache and help her fall asleep. But at that point, almost nothing could have stopped Lainey from drifting off. Sometime later, Lainey stirred in one of those half-awake states known almost exclusively to drunks and new parents. And much like a new parent stirring and listening for their newborn's soft breath, Lainey woke with a tense feeling that something was not right. There was the humidity, sure. The tiny, cheap dehumidifier had obviously not done much, but there was something else. Something did not match the scene she had fallen asleep to. So powerful was this concerning feeling, Lainey propped herself up on her elbows to look around. She had only slept in the room a few nights, so it was hard to say what, if anything, was out of place, especially in the dark. The dark. That was it. When she had gone to sleep, the room had been bathed in the dehumidifier's red power indicator light. Head swimming, Lainey looked past the foot of the bed. The light suddenly appeared and made the room glow. All but the shadowy corners directly next to the dehumidifier. Bad electricity? Lainey wondered. She considered getting up to unplug the device, but the pounding in her head convinced her to leave it alone. She closed her eyes and willfully ignored the light, the humidity, and the drum beating in her head. But even behind her eyelids, she detected a change in the light again. Opening them, Lainey once more found utter darkness. She recognized that, no, the room was not in total darkness, but that the faint red light still existed at its edges, tracing the plastic bin she used as a dresser and the door of the apartment's single closet. She could see her green bathrobe hanging on that door, its hilly folds looking like a country landscape at the dawn of the apocalypse. Lainey turned sharply toward the dehumidifier, sitting up as she did. Its red light was absolutely still glowing, always had been, and now she saw it was being blocked by the silhouette of a pair of legs. Someone was standing perfectly still at the foot of her bed. Screaming, Lainey tucked in her legs and reached for the light switch. It was just beyond her outstretched fingertips. The red light flickered, and Lainey spun toward it. Now it glowed fully, the figure blocking it having vanished. Lainey screamed again and leapt from the bed, taking one bounding step toward the door. Something slammed behind her. She opened the door and turned on the light at the same moment, but kept running into the living room. Only when she made some distance did she turn around. She saw no one under the bedroom light, but noticed her bathrobe gently swaying on the closet door. Her first instinct was to get out and call the police, but her phone was still in the bed. She glanced at the clock on the microwave and saw it was just after three in the morning. If her neighbors hadn't opened their doors in the middle of the day, they certainly would not if she went banging on them in the middle of the night. Taking a knife from the kitchen, Lainey crept back into the bedroom. 
Her phone was not right next to her pillow where she thought she had left it. She could not find it anywhere on the bed. Keeping a wary eye on the closet door, she circled toward the foot of the bed to see if her phone had fallen off on the other side. It had, too far away to reach from the bed. She would have to walk in front of the closet, where now only the end of the robe's belt still swayed. She thought better of it. Okay, whoever you are, she said loudly. I just called the cops and they're on their way. I've got a knife, but if you try to leave, I won't stop you. Better hurry, though. She waited anxiously for the door to burst open and some would-be assailant to go charging out of her room, out of her apartment. But the door remained closed and quiet. Had the intruder called her bluff? Or was there an intruder at all? Laney's head was splitting now from the booze and the weed had not helped at all. Vodka and weed, especially together, did not make for a very trustworthy memory, Laney realized. She tried to recall exactly what had happened when she woke up. The light had flashed. No, blinked. It was out. Then it wasn't. She had seen... Well, she hadn't really seen a full person, just something in the way of the light. Something that might have been... Could it have been her own foot down there at the end of the bed? And the robe... Laney tried waving her bedroom door back and forth as hard as she could, which was not very hard since doing so drove phantom stakes into her brain. Unsurprisingly, her bathrobe waved slightly in the breeze generated by the swinging door. Laney imagined that in her panic, she had opened the door much more forcefully and no doubt could have generated enough wind to make the robe sway. Finally, she instilled herself with enough courage to open the closet door. Knob in one hand, knife in the other, she ripped the closet open. It was not empty, but certainly not occupied by any intruder. Laney laughed at herself, relieved. How could she have ever thought a person would fit in the closet? Besides the couple of boxes in the living room, the closet was where she had shoved all the stuff she didn't know what to do with. There was no way someone could have made themselves fit. Picking up her phone and setting it next to her pillow and placing the knife beneath the same pillow, Laney crawled back into bed. The warm hum of the dehumidifier put her back to sleep in no time at all. It was not the sunlight which woke Laney the following morning. It had already been sneaking in from behind her curtains for nearly an hour when she stirred. She might have rolled over and gone back to sleep if not for the subtle but alarming sound of trickling water coming from the foot of her bed. She pushed herself to a seated position, brushed tangled hair from her eyes, and peered at the dehumidifier. Its red light was still glowing, its motor still humming as usual, but the machine was definitely the source of the trickling. Laney slipped off the bed to take a look. When she stepped on the carpet next to the dehumidifier, she quickly yanked her foot away. Water had saturated the carpet and felt ice cold between her recently cozy toes. She looked down where she had placed her foot on the dry carpet and saw it had already left a damp mark. She stooped and reached across the darkened carpet to turn off the dehumidifier, at first just assuming it had overflowed. 
Only when she moved around to examine the back did she see the ever-dripping crack in the water reservoir which had caused the puddle to form. The crack certainly had not been there when she set the machine up before bed. While dwelling on what could have caused the reservoir to crack, Laney noticed another dark print in the carpet opposite the one she had made. This damp spot was also in the vague shape of a foot, but was noticeably lighter than her imprint, informing Laney that it had been made quite a bit earlier. Her hazy memory of waking in the middle of the night returned in a melted collage. She remembered the way the light had been blocked by something, someone, perhaps, and how she decided she caused the illusion herself. But now she wondered. She wondered if what, who, ever, had blocked the light, had also left the footprint. Then she noticed another, and another. There were six damp footprints total, all evenly spaced. They led directly to her closet. The closet, which she distinctly remembered being closed, she never slept with it open even a sliver, was cracked open about two inches, just enough for someone to watch her through. Noticing the open closet, Laney flinched backward, knocking over the full dehumidifier as she did. It tipped over, and the reservoir fell out, spilling its entire contents all over her feet and the carpet. No, 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 Laney tearfully muttered as she tried helplessly to stop the water seeping through the carpet from erasing the footprints there, but her efforts were in vain. The footprints vanished in the massive new stain. Laney could not stand to be in the bedroom any longer. If she had anywhere to go, she would have left the apartment altogether, but the only idea that came to mind was to go to Tony, and she immediately exiled that thought. Tony was the very reason she was stuck in that apartment in the first place, and wouldn't he just love to see her come crawling back? She decided to make a pot of coffee, her socially acceptable addiction, then figure out what to do. She did not feel any immediate danger, despite the marks in her carpet. In truth, she didn't feel much of anything. Once out of the bedroom, she found it hard to focus on anything but the hammering in her cloudy head. While measuring grounds into the coffee maker, Laney heard a timid rap at her door. Her very first thought went to Tony, and she scolded herself. The person knocked again. I'm coming, Laney groaned. She didn't mean to, but she could not bring herself to elevate her voice any higher. Through the peephole, she saw the apparition of her future. The woman on the other side of the door had black hair like hers, cut similarly, but framing a face aged 20 years beyond Laney's. She wore fashionable clothing and even some tasteful makeup that reminded Laney of her late mother. She opened the door and asked, Can I help you? The woman's neutral expression turned sorrowful. She searched Laney's face, then seemed to find whatever she expected to see absent. You don't know who I am? The woman asked. I asked you that same question when you came to my door trying to be friendly. You're from across the hall, Laney said. The woman nodded. Laney asked, How'd your noodles turn out? The woman smiled ashamedly and extended her hand. I'm Shayna. I, um, also left you a note. Laney started to say, Oh, when did you... Then stopped short, remembering the cryptic paper that had been slipped under her door. 
you are not safe. Instead of finishing the question, Lainey said, you should come in. Lainey apologized for the lack of furniture and offered to make up for it with coffee. She found a blanket for Shayna to sit on and sat on the floor herself after brewing two hot mugs. Shayna said, You were just so sweet to come and try to meet me. I wrestled all night with whether or not to talk to you. I'm sure nobody else opened their door, did they? Lainey chortled. First, I'm not as sweet as you might think. Shayna grinned. And yeah, you actually talked to me more than anyone yesterday. So what, they're all avoiding me? Well, they believe there's something here in this apartment. Something, how do I put this? Some kind of haunting, maybe, or a, a manifestation. Okay, that's crazy though, right? Lainey asked, more hopefully than she meant to. Shayna set her mug down and clasped her fingers together as if in prayer. Have you seen something? She asked. Lainey wasn't ready to answer that, and her cold expression said so. Shayna nodded sagely. Why don't I tell you about the girl who lived here before you? That might help you understand. Her name was Beth. I don't remember the last name. She wasn't here long. Like you, I'm guessing she was running away from something. An abusive ex, I think. Anyway, she ended up here like the rest of us castaways, and unlike you, she kept to herself. Then, one day, I heard someone knocking at my door like they were in trouble. I looked out and saw Beth, and she looked absolutely terrified, so I let her in. I thought her ex had found her or something, but she told me he was in jail. She told me there was something inside her apartment. In this apartment. Shayna stopped here to look around for a couple of seconds. Lainey stayed quiet. She claimed that it came out at night while she was asleep and just watched her. All she could tell me is that it was tall, stood on two legs, and smelled like mildew. But no offense, it seems like this place must always smell damp. Lainey had grown so accustomed to the mildewy smell that she had forgotten about it. She asked, You feel how steamy it is? I can't stand it. I tried using a dehumidifier last night, but steamy? Shayna asked. Her face paled, accentuating her eyeshadow. Maybe she had been masking her discomfort for Lainey's sake before, but now found it too difficult. No, it doesn't feel steamy to me. Interesting that you would use that word, though. Why? asked Lainey. Shayna said, Two days after she told me about the thing that came out at night, a bunch of EMTs and cops were going in and out of Beth's apartment. I asked the super what happened, and he told me Beth was dead. Lainey had been about to sip her coffee, but paused and looked up. Not really wanting to hear, but needing to, she asked. Was she killed? Not by some monster in the closet, Shayna answered. Except in a poetic sense, I guess. By a monster in her head, maybe. She, uh, took her own. Shayna met Lainey's eyes and grimaced. Can I ask how? Lainey carefully prodded. With a sigh, Shayna said, she cut her wrists in the shower. She turned the water on before she did it so the blood would wash down the drain, probably so she wouldn't leave a mess, poor thing. It backfired, though. As she slipped away, her body blocked the drain and made the shower overflow. 
Bloody water went all over the place. I bet it took hours to scrub that floor clean. Shayna concluded her story, saying, It looked like a scene from a movie, you know? All those cops and paramedics walking in and out of this apartment with just a big cloud of steam billowing everywhere. Steam from all the hot water, you know? Yeah, Lainey said distantly. Looking at the window, she could see pulsing humidity in the streams of fresh light. So why did you decide to tell me all of this? She asked. Because, Shayna said, I can tell you have some demons. I could tell just by looking at you yesterday. Sorry. I'm telling you because, if that's the case, this is a bad place to be. You can't battle demons this close to hell. How do you know Beth wasn't just crazy? Lainey asked. Shayna sighed again. Because when she came over here, I asked her if she'd ever thought about self-harm or suicide, and you should have seen how she looked at me. It was like I had just asked if she could fly. This was a woman who was trying to start a brand new life. I mean, her abuser was locked up. She had nothing but freedom to look forward to, and I could sense that in her. Despite how scared she was, I could tell she was full of hope. Shayna left that morning after only a little more conversation. Lainey was skeptical about everything she had heard, but grateful too. She thanked Shayna, and Shayna told her to come by if she needed anything. Lainey told her she would. Closing and locking her door, Lainey wished she had heard the story about Beth maybe an hour or two later. Unfortunately, it had been two days since she had taken a shower, and she desperately needed one. Staring into the drain as the water warmed, Lainey wondered if any of Beth's hair was still in the pipe, or any of her blood. When the water warmed, it began to steam. Just the sight of the steam freaked Lainey out to the point she was not sure she could get into the water. Fortunately, the bathroom had a small window she cracked open to aerate it. As the steam billowed, it dissipated. Lainey clenched her eyes shut and stepped in. The water felt wonderful on her aching head, and she found herself lost in its momentary comfort. She managed to put Beth and the thing she had seen, the thing Beth may have also seen, out of her mind. She forgot about the footprints and the cracked dehumidifier and Tony. She actually wondered if this, a hot shower, could be a new alternative high for her. No, it would not replace the joyful numbness of alcohol, but the way her mind seemed to channel only the best thoughts in the shower rivaled the feeling she had gotten from any drug. She was loath to shut off the water, but she could feel her skin beginning to dry out. It was very pink. Despite her opening the window, Lainey saw the tiny bathroom had filled with steam. She reached around for her towel and brought it in to dry herself. To make the steam disappear quicker, she opened the bathroom door. As she wrapped herself in the towel, the air cleared, and Lainey saw, with gut-punching dread, that the window she had opened was closed and latched shut. Yes, with a rotating latch, one which could not conceivably close on its own even if the window slid down. The next thing Lainey looked at was the shrouded mirror, blurred by billions of tiny water droplets. Not being able to see her own reflection made her feel baselessly certain someone was standing behind her whoever had shut and locked the window. Holding the towel to cover herself with one hand, 
Lainey found the cloud of steam did not end at the bathroom, but filled the entire apartment. She could barely see five feet in front of her. Now the feeling that someone else was there truly invaded her consciousness. It prickled her arms and made her legs feel cold. She would have loved a weapon, but the thing she craved most in that first harrowing moment of fog blindness was clothes. She stumbled until she found her bed. Then, totally unsure what else to do, she laid face down and slid beneath it. She knew it was probably the first place anyone would look, but at least they wouldn't be able to sneak up behind her. She planted her feet against the wall and began scanning the bedroom floor for movement. She detected motion, but not from a pair of intruding feet. It came from the closet. The door was closing slowly and hauntingly quiet. It was already almost closed when Lainey noticed it, and with the faintest click, it latched shut. It did not appear whoever had closed the door was in the bedroom, so Lainey thought, they must be in the closet. She fished with her left hand until she found the shirt and sweatpants she had taken off to shower, then dragged them under the bed and agilely dressed herself. Feeling slightly more confident, she slipped out from the bed. Her phone was sitting on the stool she currently used for a nightstand. She used it to text Tony. She only chose him because she knew he would immediately open a text from her and would not question it. She wrote, Call 911. Someone in here. Can't get out. Tony knew her address and could direct the police dispatchers. She made her way carefully to the bathroom where she closed the door and locked it. Only once safe did she realize the bottoms of her feet felt soaking wet again. She could barely see the floor in the fog, but it did look wet, and the shower was running. Had she forgotten to shut it off? She supposed it was possible, but felt certain that it wasn't the case. She turned on the overhead light and watched the color of the floor change. The water flooding around her feet was deep red. It was splashing on her ankles, staining her skin. At once, she could smell the sour iron odor, strong enough to taste it on the back of her tongue. She stifled a shriek, running a thought loop through her mind instead. Is this real? It can't be real. Where's it coming from? Is this real? It can't be. On and on as she sloshed toward the shower. She felt the steam heating her skin to an unbearable temperature and knew she was close. Finally, she reached blindly for the handle and managed to turn off the water. At the exact moment water stopped pouring down, Lainey noticed a pale face staring up at her from the shower floor. The eyes were wide but dull, and the mouth slack, hanging to one side as if it had just been punched. Lainey screamed and jumped back, tripping over an extended leg that had not been there before. She almost fell into the bloody water, but saved herself by grabbing the door handle. She looked over her shoulder at what, through the steam, just looked like a pile of towels, but she knew it to be the returned body of Beth, last name unremembered. It can't really be there. It's not really her, Lainey thought. But she was seeing the ghost-white limbs before her eyes. The blood, the body, the heat. Lainey could take it no longer. Ready to run through the steam until she found escape, to fight if she had to, she opened the door. All she could see 
through the unnatural fog was a vertical black rectangle. It was the closet. It was wide open. Shayna hesitantly opened her door when she heard two deep male voices in the hallway. She knew what she expected to see, but hoped beyond all hope that she would be wrong. She was not. Two police officers were pounding at Lainey's door, and they sounded apprehensive. One of them glanced at Shayna as he turned toward the radio on his shoulder. He said, This is 763. We're going to make a forceful entry. A staticky voice answered, Copy that. Shayna recoiled as the other officer shouted, We're coming in. Stand clear of the door and keep your hands where we can see. With a nod to his partner, he performed a powerful kick. The door cracked. He kicked again, and it flew inward. The suffocating cloud of steam had entirely evaporated, not that the police or even Shayna would have known. And when one of the officers cleared the small bathroom, he saw no blood, no body slumped in the shower, not even any water on the floor. Shayna stood outside, listening. The scene felt horribly familiar. Only the fact that she had made a small attempt to help Lainey made it worse than when Beth had died. At least with Beth, she could excuse herself by saying she didn't really know what was going on. With Lainey, she had simply fallen short. She had failed. This was tragically confirmed when, somewhere inside, Shana heard a door open and a police officer instantly say, Oh, God. Tell dispatch we've got a body. The police found Lainey hanging by the neck in her bedroom closet. Somehow, amidst a pile of unpacked boxes, she had managed to strangle herself. Or so it appeared. With a flashlight, one officer followed the rope from which Lainey's lifeless body dangled. He was curious because she had not tied the rope to the clothing bar, but had draped the rope over it. The rope extended further back, toward the rear of the closet. He leaned over some boxes and shone his light on a ragged hole in the plaster which the rope descended into. Hey, take a look, he told his partner. Can you tell what it's tied to? His partner asked. No, it looks like it goes down in the wall, though. Think she tied it to a weight or something? Well, what do you think she weighs? 125, 130? She'd have to have used something heavy enough to hold her, and I can't imagine what could weigh that much and fit through a hole that small. Could have tied it to a pipe or something, the first officer said. You know what? I'd better take a closer look. If she tied it around an electrical line or something, she could start a fire. His partner raised his eyebrows and said, Oh, good call. Just don't mess anything up. The first officer stepped over the lowest box to give himself a foothold and carefully maneuvered around Laney. From almost straight above the hole, he could see down it. The rope went much further than he had expected. It really didn't make sense that Laney could have tied it to anything down there. How could she have reached? He wondered if maybe the rope had already been anchored to something and she had repurposed it. But why would a rope have been tied down in the wall in the first place? As he tried to see exactly where the rope ended, the officer noticed something gleaming up at him, reflecting his flashlight. Two somethings, actually. Small orbs, a couple of inches apart. Hang on, I think I see something, he said. 
Then, without further warning, he shouted incoherently and leapt backward out of the closet. He knocked over boxes and collided with Lainey's corpse. She fell in a grotesque heap. Hey, hey, his partner was shouting, pulling him away. Look what you did. I'm sorry, stammered the first officer. But I saw... Holy... They blinked at me. Whoa, what are you talking about? You saying somebody's down there? That's impossible. I don't... I don't know. There were these round lights and they... They blinked and then they just disappeared. I'm telling you, man, that gap is tiny. No way a person could ever fit down there. No, but something else could, a female voice said from the doorway. Both officers spun around. Ma'am, you can't be in here. This is a crime scene, the first officer said. You should wait in the hall for whoever else is coming, Shayna said, tears wetting her eyes and voice. I don't know what you saw in there, but I know there's something in this apartment and it takes whatever it wants. Gentlemen, I know I must sound crazy, but please come out where you're safe. And for reasons they could never write in a report, they followed her. Today, Shayna leases Lainey and Beth's apartment as well as her own. She had to pick up another part-time job to make both rents, but to her, it's worth it to keep that apartment locked up and empty. She hopes that maybe she can starve whatever it is lurking inside out of existence. But sometimes, just when she begins to wonder if maybe the evil has gone, she will notice a little steam billowing out from under the door. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. The next best way is to buy merch from the warningwoods.myshopify.com. The link is also in the description below. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at the Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening.